races and some rain. So it's so good to see you all. I want to give a special thanks to our volunteers for fighting all that to get here as well. Um, just one note, we want to be praying for Chad, uh, who tested positive for COVID, and he's feeling fine, just a little tired, um, but he and his family are gone this Sunday. So I'm, I'm stepping in. We called an audible, uh, but it is so good to be here with you all to worship and uh, to take time from our week to be with God, to be in his word, and to be with each other. So as we uh, do that, um, let me just make a couple announcements here leading into May. Uh, we have a congregational meeting on May 1st, next Sunday, right after the church service. We'll be sharing about our budget and just uh, some future plans with the church. So love for you to be able to come and, and stay here for, um, to listen and to uh, hear the good work that our church is doing. Uh, also, during the spring, uh, three Wednesdays in May, uh, the 11th, 18th, and 25th, Pastor Chad's going to lead a Bible study looking at the sermon series in Revelation and looking at the titles of Christ, our risen King. So I'd love for you to be able to join us for that as well. And then lastly, I want to invite Gina up to share with you about our day of service this spring. everyone. Um, I just want to draw your attention to um, some information that's in the order of worship about a day of service that we have planned for May 14th. So after a long hiatus, not being able to volunteer together, we're going to gather at the church office on the 14th. The, the whole event will go from 9 to noon. We're going to do a couple projects. We're going to help out at the church office. We're going to um, help out with the help the Greater Rockwell Neighborhood Group that's active right in the area where our church office is located. And um, we're also going to be doing some, I think, cleaning at the Nazarene Church Building. So that's all happening on May 14th. Please check your order. Um, please join us. We're going to have lunch afterwards, so come for that. Um, thanks so much. Thank you, Gina and our deacons, for organizing that day of service for us. Well, as we draw into God's presence, why don't we take a moment of quiet to quiet our hearts, to quiet our minds, just to even slow down this morning as we enter into God's presence. Good morning. Our call to worship this morning is from Psalm 118. If you'd stand, we'll join in singing together. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. salvation and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord 
I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He has made his light to shine upon us. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. Two, three. I will call upon the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. My rock, my salvation, and my refuge. Though the flood may keep on rising and the sun refuse to shine, His faithfulness will never change. In my distress I cried, How long, O Lord, how long? Then he bowed the heavens and came down swiftly on the wings of the wind. Of the wind I will call upon the Lord, He is worthy to be praised. My rock, my salvation, and my refuge. Though the flood may keep on rising and the sun refuse to shine, His faithfulness will never change. For who is God but God? And who is a rock except the Lord? And He is a shield for all who would take refuge in His steadfast love. In His love, I will call upon the Lord, He is worthy to be praised. My rock, my salvation, my refuge. Though the flood may keep on rising and the sun refuse to shine, His faithfulness will never change. I will call upon the Lord, He is worthy to be praised. My rock, my salvation, and my refuge. Though the flood may keep on rising and the sun refuse to shine, His faithfulness will never change. Come, thou fount of every blessing, Never ceasing, call for songs of 
is a name I fixed upon it, name of God's redeeming love, hitherto thy love has blessed me, thou hast brought me to this place, and I know Safely home by thy good grace. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, filled me with his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to be seated. Let us pray. God of the living, God of the risen Christ Jesus, our Lord, Lord, we come to you this day to give you thanks and praise that because Jesus lives, we have life here and in the life to come. Lord God, we come to you this morning to give you praise, to sit under your word, to receive the bread and the wine, to be fed by your spirit. But Lord God, we also acknowledge that we come to this place weary from the week that we have just lived. We come bringing our burdens, our questions, our doubts, our concerns, and Lord God, we ask that you would draw near to us now, that you would give us grace to sustain us, to strengthen us in a world that seems so shaky, in a world that feels overwhelming at times. And yet we give you thanks that you have called us together as your people, that as we come around one another, as we hear your good word, as we speak it back to each other, that you use this to strengthen us. Lord, we pray for those in particular who are not with us today, whether due to illness or just work or travel. Lord, we ask for a special blessing upon them, that you would draw near to them, that you would comfort them, and that you would bring them back to us safely. Lord, we come to you 
we come to you now and ask that your spirit would lift us up, that your spirit would strengthen us, and that you would renew us again this day. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, the kids are now dismissed to go to children's worship. Well, as we continue to worship, as, as God continues to draw us near to him, we come to recognize our, our need of forgiveness, our need to bring forward to him our sins, our worries, our doubts. And as we do this, we will do this both uh, publicly uh, through private prayer and also through song. So will you now join me in our public confession? Why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord? My rights have been disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is un unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and increases the strength of the weary. Lord, in our weariness and discouragement, let us remember your word. Even the young shall grow weary, but they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Jesus, I long for thee inside for Canaan shores. Thy lovely face to
Then at thy bleeding cross I'll stay and sweetly weep my life you to take a moment of personal private confession. Lord God, you, you see the tears that we cry that others do not see. The tears we cry for our own brokenness, our own sin, and also how we have been hurt by others. And yet, God, you draw near to those deep places. You draw near to our tears by the blood of Christ and the risen King. We thank you for his forgiveness and grace to us. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, would you please stand with me as we say these words of assurance. Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness and he will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Well, I invite you to greet one another as Christ has welcomed and greets us.
Join me with singing. In you, O Lord, have I taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me and set me free. Incline your ear to my cry and save me. You are my rock and my refuge, my stronghold to deliver me. You are my hope, oh Lord God, my confidence for my youth. Righteousness, O oh God, reaches to the heavens. Great things you have done, who can compare? For your faithfulness I will praise you, O oh my God. I will sing praises to you, Holy One of Israel. You are my rock and my refuge, my stronghold to deliver me. You are my hope, oh Lord God, my confidence from my youth. You've allowed me suffer much hardship but you will restore me to life again lift me up from the depths of the earth lift me up from the depths of the earth you are my stronghold to deliver me. You are my hope, oh Lord God, my confidence from my youth. You are my rock and my refuge, my stronghold. be seated. Today's first reading is from Acts 5, 27 through 32. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as a leader and savior 
to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. The second reading is from Revelation 1, 1 through 8. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that soon must take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again. Uh, just even taking a moment to breathe after we get here, fighting all the traffic. And so it's, but it's really good to see your faces. It's good to be here together. It's good to worship, to sing, to pray. Um, to be reminded of this season that we find ourselves in, which is the Easter season, Easter tide, where we continue to celebrate the reality, the event that God broke into the world and has created something new in Christ Jesus, that he is risen and that he lives. And because of that, there's a new reality for us. So Chad's plan was to jump into a sermon series on Revelation. We're going to push that back a Sunday, and we're going to call an audible, and I'm going to be preaching from um, John 20, verses 19 through 31. Before I read that passage, I, th I think it's helpful uh, to be reminded that Jesus, when he rose from the grave, he didn't just raise and appear to his disciples and then, and then disappear. Jesus actually was present on earth for 40 days. He would appear and disappear. He would be with his disciples. He would continue teaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God in light of the reality that he is the risen king. We're told this in Acts, and then the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, at the end of chapter 15, he talks about all the different appearances that Christ had with his disciples. So as we draw near to our text, we're going to see Christ appearing and coming before his disciples um, and revealing his resurrection to them. So will you follow me in our order? Or if, if you have your little sheet here, uh, the scripture passage is on it, and you can follow and listen along. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the door being locked, 
where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you, give, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and put my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let me pray. Gracious God, as we draw near to your word, as we come to encounter the risen Christ, Lord, we ask that you would be with the meditation of all of our hearts gathered here, and that you would be with the words of my mouth, and we rest on our rock and our redeemer, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, there's a painter named Anthony Falbo, Falbo, I think I'm saying that correctly, and he has this painting, it, the name of it is called Panic Attack, Be Anxious for Nothing. Panic Attack, Be Anxious for Nothing. He's, a, he's an abstract artist, and there's this figure, as if you can kind of picture this abstract figure in the middle of the painting, and this figure has a bottle of vodka that is drinking from one side. From the other side, it's uh, hyperventilating into a brown bag. Underneath it, it's knocking off some ashes into an ashtray from its cigarette. And above it, like a crown, is a, uh, a recorder uh, playing a record. And so you have all this going around this figure. And while it's drinking and smoking and hyperventilating and distracting itself with music, there's this big wrench with its two claws that are pushing against its head. And tears begin to fall from its eyes. 
what I love about this painting is not just the, the vivid picture that we get of anxiety, of fear, and maybe different ways in which we try to cope and respond to it and the pressure that we can feel from it. But on the wall behind are these yellow sticky notes. And these sticky notes read certain words from Jesus. One of them says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The other says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Fear not, for I am with you. And one has a citation from Matthew 6, 25, do not be anxious with a little cross. Now, I don't know what the artist's intent was for these little sticky notes in the picture that he's trying to describe here, but at least the takeaway that I took from it was that in the midst of everything going on around this figure, there's an attempt, at least, to try to be reminded of certain truths, but yet they seem fleeting. They're on these yellow sticky notes, which often lose their adhesiveness. They're starting to crumble off and fall off the wall. And I wonder, I wonder for us, if it can be tempting to see those phrases, or even other phrases like mind over matter, or just trust a little bit more God's in control, or suck it up. Maybe these are said verbally or not verbally, but we experience them from around us all the time in the midst of our fears and our anxieties. And they can often come across as just quick fixes. And they often feel very disconnected from what's going on right now inside of me, inside of this figure. And what I want us to see as we draw near to this passage in the Gospel of John is that the resurrected Christ doesn't come to just put yellow sticky notes up on the walls around us, but comes to be with us, to draw near to these places of fear and worry and doubt. So as we jump into this passage, I want us to see two things. I want us to see first that the risen Christ transforms our fears to joy, transforms our fears to joy. And second, the risen Christ moves our doubts into belief. The risen Christ moves our doubts into belief. Our passage this morning, with Christ appearing to the disciples, the first part of it actually happens on the evening of Easter Day. Earlier that day, Mary Magdalene and the other women reported back to the disciples that Jesus' tomb was empty and that they had encountered heavenly messengers saying that Christ had risen. Mary herself had even mistaken Jesus initially as a gardener. And Peter and John run to this empty tomb to see with their very eyes, almost with unbelief, of what they're witnessing. And you would think that maybe the disciples would be jumping for joy. Their, their teacher, their friend, their Lord is alive. And yet our passage, just like the day of Easter morning started, 
they themselves are in a tomb. They themselves are locked into a room. They themselves are hiding. They act as if their leader is still dead. On the other hand, it makes sense why they lock the doors. Just that weekend, they had seen something very traumatic happen. They saw their friend killed at the hands of religious leaders. They saw their master, their lord, their teacher killed at the hands of Rome. And they themselves are wondering if they are next. Will they be next? Will they root out this teacher and his following? Their fears are real. To make light of them would not to, would not to be doing justice to the disciples and their reality at that moment. And quite frankly, it would not be doing justice to our own experiences of fear and anxiety within our own lives. Just like the disciples, we too can be locked up in a room. Our fears have a way of dominating and controlling us. They consume our thoughts throughout the day. They even direct our actions. It corrodes and eats away our energy and our life. It leaves us grasping for anything and anyone that can provide relief from this aching pain that this fear is feeding upon. And ultimately, fear has a way of paralyzing us, keeping us from being able to move forward. When we do not know what lies ahead, we fill the unknowns with all sorts of realities and imagine the worst. And sometimes we do this out of self-protection, self-preservation, because our past has a history. We have been hurt and burned. We have been hurt by our coworkers. We have been hurt by those who we trust and love. And sometimes it just seems easier to hide, to hide away and lock ourselves up. And yet by doing that, we are actually placing ourselves in a tomb, a tomb that is dead. And yet here in this locked room, Jesus comes. He appears to them. He appears right in the middle of the disciples. And we're told that the room is locked. It happens twice. The disciples have the room locked and Jesus appears right there in their midst. Now I have to imagine they were shocked. How did he get in here? Who is this that we're witnessing and seeing in our midst? It brings up maybe a question for us to consider, what is this resurrected body of Jesus? And it's at least an important question for us to consider because the disciples themselves would have been considering the same thing. Are we just seeing a spirit? Is this a ghost? Is this real? Are we imagining this? Many of the resurrection accounts give this picture of Jesus' resurrected body as both spiritual, he appears and disappears, but also physical. 
Jesus eats with his disciples. He asks them for food and literally eats in front of them. He cooks a meal for them by the seashore. He shows them and invites them to touch his wounds on his body. There's a lot that we can say about that, but at the end of the day, this reality that Christ is risen and that he is physically a body reminds us of the first fruits of our resurrection, that Christ lives and we will live, that Christ has defeated death and that death will ultimately not have the last say on our lives. So why does Jesus appear to his disciples? Why didn't he just raise and disappear? Maybe he came to scold them. I meant this was the crew that left him in his time of need. This was the same crew that denied him, and even one of them betraying him to the authorities. Maybe he came to chew them out. But yet three times in our passage, Jesus says these words. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. In the Hebrew and Aramaic language, this word is shalom. And it's not just peace. It's not just a quietness of our hearts. It's, a, it's something much deeper. It's a peace of restoration. Not only within, but in our relationships. When Jesus says, peace be with you, he is assuring them that they are whole, that their relationship with him and his with them is one that is fulfilled and restored, that they are connected to him as he is united to his father. Jesus was communicating something much greater than he just wanted them to chill out and not be afraid. He wanted to communicate that he has brought peace to them in their fear. That he has come to their tomb of fear and anxiety to free them and break them from it. And he does this by showing them his wounds. Jesus is glorified, renewed, restored body, brought back to life. You would think it would be perfect and whole, which it is, and yet it carries something with it. We're told that Jesus shows the scars where the nails pierced his hands. We're told that he shows them the side where the spear pierced him. Another reminder to his disciples that he is real and that he has risen and that he is alive. And it also reminds them of what he did for them and the depths to which he would go. These afraid disciples are not just met with Christ and given his peace. They do not just encounter the risen Christ and then he lets them go. No, he actually invites them into his mission. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He wants the the knowledge and the experience of the risen Christ to be spread across the world, that his kingdom is breaking in, 
that fear and death no longer have to have the final dominating say upon our lives. He gives them this call to go, to be his people here and now. What fears are we experiencing this day? I'm sure we could take an hour or even more and we could go through all of our fears. Some of them are more public in nature, more communal. We still wrestle with the effects of the virus and the pandemic upon our lives, upon our communities, upon our relationships. The fear of things closing down again and the trauma that that brings. We fear the effects that it has on the economy and will we be a people who can provide for our families, for our communities. And we even live in a world now where war is real. War is happening. And there's fears that it could even happen in a greater scale. There's personal fears that we bring. We receive a bad medical report from a loved one or for ourselves. We experience broken relationships within our marriages, with, between our coworkers, and all it does is cause more and more anxiety where we can't even sleep at night. We see our careers not going the way we wish they would. We fear fear. We fear our child's report card is a disaster and what that might say about me as a parent. We fear how we're going to pay and provide for our family into the future. The disciples often would forget time and time again. They would be consumed by their fear, just like us. But he comes to show them his hands and his feet to remind them that he has defeated death and he has conquered it. And we have joy. This brought the disciples joy. When they encountered and saw Christ, their hearts were turned to gladness. They were made new. This reminds us that fear is present in our lives. It's all around us. Jesus did not promise to wipe away the, our current fears, but he did promise to break the stranglehold that it does have on our life. That fear no longer has to dominate us as we encounter the risen Christ. So that we see this fear that has a hold of disciples, and they are encountered by Jesus and his wounds. And they know that death itself does not have the final say. And yet there's one straggler in our passage. There's one straggler, Thomas, who wasn't there when Christ appeared. He wasn't there, and he often gets a bad rap. He's often called Doubting Thomas because he insists that he will only believe if he sees with his own eyes just like the disciples, his friends, saw Jesus. He has to see these nails pierced in his body. He has to see the wound from his side. He will not believe unless he sees Jesus in flesh in blood. I've often wondered, why did Jesus not just show up when Thomas was there? Why bother? <laughs> why go through all the trouble to show up again? 
I think Jesus did this for Thomas's benefit and for our benefit. Thomas holds the same doubts that the, that the disciples did before Jesus appeared to them. Thomas wasn't any different from Peter and John and the rest of them. And Thomas isn't much different from us either. Just like the figure in the painting, we are often so consumed with the things and the realities going around us that we don't hear the whisper of Christ, the risen King, present within our lives. We have to see this for ourselves. Jesus does not shame Thomas, though, in his doubt. Jesus actually draws near to Thomas's doubt and his skepticism. Just as Jesus came to the other disciples, Jesus now presents his wounds and his scars to Thomas. He says it almost in verbatim to Thomas, like he was already there with Thomas. Jesus knew the depth of Thomas's doubts and his concerns. He says, put your finger here in this scar on my hand. Touch my side where I was pierced so that you may no longer fear and doubt. Do not disbelieve, but believe. We're not told that Thomas actually did any of that. All we're told is that Thomas responded, my Lord and my God. As Thomas came face to face with the risen Christ, his doubts turned into confession. He saw Christ for who he was and who he is and who he will be for us. That Christ took on our wounds. That Christ bore, bears our scars so that we do not have to bear them alone. Jesus goes on to say, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet believe. It might be tempting to think that Jesus is scolding Thomas or scolding the disciples here, but Jesus is just kind of continuing a line of thought and saying that he knows he will leave. He knows that he will physically not be present with them, but that there will be many who will come after them who will believe because of their witness. And Jesus gives a blessing to you and to me. To go back to that painting, that anxious figure, it might be easy to hear these Christian language and these words, these phrases, he is risen, he is risen indeed, Christ is the risen Lord, and we can write that on a sticky note and just paste it and put it on the wall and just hope that it sticks. Yet we encounter the risen Jesus when we encounter him in his word, when we participate in the sacraments, when we worship together and we sing and we pray and when we bear each other's burdens, we are the body of Christ together. We are living as the resurrected community here and now with one another. The temptation is to fear that we are alone in the midst of our fears and our anxieties, and yet we are not left alone. Christ's spirit is with us, and his people are with us. 
I want to end with this, this line from this song that I've been listening a lot to kind of during Easter. It's by Bill Gather. It's a song, it's called Because He Lives. Because He Lives. And this is the, the chorus to that song. It says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Maybe like me, your fear often holds you up in a tomb, up in a locked room, and you're not really living. When we encounter Jesus, though, he, he meets us in those places, and he reminds us that the life that we have in him is worth living because he is the living God. He is the living one. And he is our hope in the midst of our fears and our doubts. Let us pray. Merciful God, Lord, we come to you acknowledging that we are a fearful people, that we are a doubting people. And yet in Christ, we see that you do not shame us. You do not ridicule us but you actually draw near to these places of shame and these places of fear and these places of doubt to break us free and to bring us home to you. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Let us continue worshiping through song. I invite you to stand while we join in singing. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flow be a sin, the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Not the of my hands can fulfill thy lost demands could my zeal no respite know could my tears forever flow all for sin could not atone thou must save and thou alone nothing in my hand I Simply to thy cross I cling, make it come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace, bow I to the fountain fly, wash me Savior or I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, 
rock of ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. The Lord be with you. And also with you. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. right to give him thanks and pray. Lift up your heart. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and God, you have established us in Christ, and by your Spirit have put your seal on us. We rest in your faithfulness as we join your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. tempting sometimes when we come to the table or even when we walk into this building to come into God's presence to be with his people to think that we have to have it all together to think that we don't have to have fear like why why am I fearful I shouldn't be fearful I should know this truth or this doubt that I'm carrying I shouldn't have that and yet the gospel is not one to say shouldn't have those things, but the gospel draws near to those places, draws near to our fear, draws near to our doubts. And the table is a picture of that. We come before God trusting in his goodness to feed us, to meet us in our fears, to meet us in our doubts. Because we don't have all the answers. We don't have it all together. And we need his grace to sustain us. So I invite you now as we draw near to Christ's table. As you come forward with your fears and your doubts. That you would allow the bread and the wine to meet you there. To nourish you. To strengthen you. As you go from this place. Knowing that Christ lives and this bread and this wine bear witness that he is risen and that he will come again. Let me pray for our elements. 
Merciful God, Lord, we ask that you would use this bread and the wine as a holy element, as a holy sacrament to feed our spirits, that you would meet us here by your spirit and lift us up and feed us this day, that we may rest assured that our fears that we carry with us do not have to have the last say upon our lives and our reality. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Lord Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, Jesus took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink of it. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the risen Jesus Christ, that he is ours and we are his. Before I, before I invite the servers to come up, um, we'll have the servers at the end of these aisles come down the aisles and take the bread and, or the wine or grape juice. The grape juice is in the center. We have wafers and we have a few sealed packets um, as well with the bread. I invite you, if, if, if this is not something that you confess, if this is something that is maybe hard for you to believe, we still are thankful that you are here. And we invite you as you come forward to place your arm across and one of us will pray for you and give a, a short blessing. I invite the servers to come up now.
body of Christ broken for you and the forgiveness of your sins. Take and eat. The blood of Christ poured out for you. Take and drink. Let me pray to give thanks for this meal. Gracious God, we thank you that by your spirit you do come to us, that you feed us and that you sustain us. And we pray that you would send us out, that we would be those to proclaim the good news that we are forgiven and that there is life in you. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Let us continue worshiping. Please stand and we'll respond to the table. Lord Jesus Christ, give us peace and help us to trust you as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come. seated and I'm going to welcome Will to come on up. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Will and Katie Lowry are uh, some mission partners of ours. Um, and Will, I'm, I'm just going to let you explain the organization because you're going to do it better than me. So. Great. Well, uh, hello. Um, Katie and I happen to be uh, down in Chicago for a good friend's wedding. Uh, later today. So I'll just let you know, I'm going to run out immediately and get an Uber and leave, but Katie will be around, so please stop, chat to her, uh, say, say hi to our kids. Um, but yeah, if, if you don't know me, uh, my name again is Will Lowry, my wife Katie. We have two kids, Judah and Azalea, and we are going to be heading to Birmingham, England uh, in hopefully about six weeks uh, is, is what we're counting on. Uh, we, we had spent a year there previously with this group called AT3, uh, which their, their kind of vision is they recognize that the UK leads the states culturally by about 10 to 20 years. And so their thought is if they can get people who are wanting to serve in ministry, who are wanting to lead churches, to come over to the UK to, to learn what ministry looks like in an incredibly post-Christian and increasingly secular, but also massively religiously like diverse environment, uh, learn what it looks like there, get some training. So when they come back to the States, they can kind of be prepared for, for what the future's inevitably gonna look like um, and hopefully be able to avoid some of the mistakes that British church uh, had made within the past couple of decades. And, and so we're going back, uh, partnering with that organization um, in, in one portion to, to be able to help really just serve some of the Americans who are there uh, in the various cities throughout the UK to, to be sure that they're being taken care of, to provide pastoral care, to, to disciple and to coach and to lead them, uh, just to, to make sure that they don't show up and they're just kind of used as warm bodies, and, uh, but that they're actually being developed for really a lifetime of ministry that might be ahead of them. And then we're also going to be serving with a local church in the area, just trying to continue to reach people in the city of Birmingham. I, there's 
it's estimated that it's anywhere between under one to maybe up to two percent of people who who have like a, a kind of genuine um, Bible-driven, gospel-driven faith, uh, and and sort of just a, a lot of dead Anglican tradition, um, and really not even that anymore. Uh, and and so we're going to be serving in that church, uh, connecting with various church plants, uh, plants, uh, really helping to continue those efforts. Uh, with a focus on figuring out how, how is it that we can reach the, the massive Muslim populations in the city. It's, it's about a third Muslim, and that's the fastest growing kind of groups of people. Um, and so we, just, we, we desire to see what can it look like to have churches thriving, uh, which have people from all sorts of different Muslim backgrounds in them. Uh, par particularly, there, there's one park where they have uh, their Eid festival every year, and, and so Eid's the holiday celebrating the end of Ramadan. And there's 140,000 people who come to the small park to, to say their prayers and to celebrate the, this holy holiday. And, uh, and we would just love to see what, what can it look like to have the presence of the light of the gospel just across the street from that park. Um, and, and so that's kind of our long term. We're looking to see uh, how, how God can sort of break into some of those areas. Uh, but, but in the meantime, we, we've been uh, in the kind of stage of raising support and building partners for uh, what feels like forever. It's been like a year and a half, um, but feels much longer to us. And uh, over the past half year, we've been living up in north central Wisconsin. And it's uh, been a surprising time uh, of we... You know, at times have felt like we're just wasting time, just waiting to get to where God's called us. Uh, but we've been able to see Him Him use us in a lot of uh, just incredible and unexpected ways, and um, particularly just being able to encourage a lot of pastors and church leaders uh, throughout these various small towns up in the North Woods, uh, where it's incredibly easy for them to get discouraged, and uh, where we're generally the youngest people to walk into the church and, and, and just to be able to provide that encouragement and, and sort of that, that life to them. Um, but two things uh, just to share that I'm most excited about what's happened since the last time I visited is I, there, there's one person we've been able to uh, spend a lot of time investing in. Um, she had some rough childhood things and and she's faithful, she, she's serving God in, in so many different ways, but also struggling through uh, having developed PTSD and, and just a, a bunch of horrible mental health stuff. And, and that's very much kind of some of my story. And, and so we've been able to spend a lot of time with her to, to care for her when, when she doesn't really have anybody else. She's not near her family. She's uh, up there kind of by herself and, and to care for her and to encourage her. And what, what does faith look like when we're when we're sorrowful, when we're having hardships, when when we can't even bring ourselves to pray, and, and to be able to love her and, and show her Christ's love is still there for her. And then another massive one is one of the churches we've been able to connect with. Uh, they um, have committed to the city of Birmingham, um, and they're uh, committing to how how can they send people to to come join us for you know, if it's a week or for two weeks, and, and to just walk through some of the Muslim-majority portions of the city and, and just pray. And, uh, you know, not, not do the stereotypical mission trip, building orphanages, that sort of stuff. We, we don't need that in England. Uh, but just to come and to pray over every mosque in the city, to, to pray for individuals throughout the city, to pray for the schools in those neighborhoods. And uh, one person as well, um, as we had shared with them, I uh, felt uh, led and, and felt called to come and join us for two years. And so she's in the process of 
uh, kind of getting that all set up to, to be able to spend two years in, in the UK, I'm hoping in Birmingham. Um, but those have just been some really encouraging, exciting things we've seen. And uh, we're, we're currently applying for visas. Um, two, two things we would ask you to pray for is uh, due to the war in Ukraine, they are uh, rightly and understandably prioritizing Ukrainian refugees. And so we don't know how much that will delay our process. We have just been told it's going to be delayed and have no timeline. Um, but we, we are praying to be there on June 8th. And so we'd love if you join us in praying for that. Uh, and there's also a group of interns, of college interns, who will be coming for the summer and spread throughout the UK to, to serve in various different churches. Uh, and they're in a similar situation with their visas. Um, and, and so I would ask that you would pray for, for their visas for them and, and also just pray for them to be able to be prepared to, to serve well and to be a strong benefit uh, over the two, two and a half months that they'll be there. So thanks for having us. Let us pray. Gracious, merciful God, Lord, we thank you for the Lowry family, for Will, for Kate, and for their children. We thank you for the ways in which they encourage us, this body here, with their work and their ministry and their friendship. Lord, we ask that you would be merciful as they await uh, the visas. Uh, we, under we, we understand the circumstances. We do pray uh, for your hand to be at work that you would make these visas available and that they would be able to return this summer. Lord, we also just give you thanks for the ways in which you work in seasons and times in our lives and the blessing and the reminder of how you worked uh, in the Lowry's lives in Wisconsin. And Lord, lastly, we, we, pray for, uh, we pray for the UK, we pray for England, we pray for the diversity of communities, in particular the Muslim community that is present um, Lord, we ask ultimately that they would come to encounter and experience the risen Christ, that they would know him deeply, and that, that we all would come to confess him as our Lord and our King. We pray that you would go with the Lowrys, that you would protect them and watch over them in the months to come. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. as we continue to worship, uh, this is a time uh, to be reminded uh, that as God has graciously given himself to us and all of our gifts, uh, that we, we return our gifts to him, reminded that he is the source of all good things. And so I, I encourage the, the, off, the servers to come up, and, uh, uh, and please feel free to give at this moment, either physically or online.
Will you join us in the, bene uh, <laughs> the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Let the crippled 
receiving our blessing uh, I received the weather report from Addo and he said that it's a slight drizzle but they still have the coffee set up uh, over in the playground so we'd love for you to join us over there there's a map uh, that you can find your way towards the towards the coffee in the playground now receive this blessing from the Lord may the Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace May you know the depth of his love this day. We pray this in his holy name, in Christ's holy name. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Just a chorus. Like two, three.